may be seated. God's good. It's great to, to have you around. We've been talking a little bit about faith um, last week and this week, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit more in the next couple of weeks, too, uh, about faith. And, and the message is, is faith to go forward. Who wants to go backwards? Anybody want to go like back? We don't want to. There's, it doesn't take any faith to go backwards. Uh, I didn't go backwards well when I drove as a teenager. I had two accidents. Both of them were going backwards. And uh, they weren't. And, and I had three because I had a really big one when I, when I moved here and drove a 26-foot Penske truck over the top of a Jaguar. Uh, but it was going backwards, uh, not going forward. Uh, so, I mean, I'm telling you, you got you to gotta go, please go forward. Uh, it's much better to go forward than uh, to go backward. I, I haven't, I don't think, had an accident going forward. They've all been uh, in reverse. So one of them, I just continued to push the car across the parking lot. I couldn't figure out why it was my car was so sluggish and wasn't really going as well as it should. Uh, it was because I was pushing in our day, my day, brand new 280ZX across the parking lot with two, two big guys in it uh, who, weren't, who weren't real thrilled about the free ride I was giving them. Um, if we just say that. So uh, it was interesting. And that's when Pastor Bill got a, a phone call from the insurance agent a while later and said, uh, did your son have an accident? And he said, well, no, he didn't. We said, well, I got somebody on the phone that says he did. Um, so you might want to connect with him and find out really what did, what happened. Uh, well, yeah, I had an accident. I just assumed everybody took care. We got insurance. You might want to tell the guy, you know, that that's happened. But we're going to go forward in this year, and then there's, it's going to take great faith. It took great faith to come through 2000, whatever, 10, 11, 12, 13. It takes great faith to get through January and even greater faith to get through February. You've got to hold on, and you've got to keep going forward. And, and as we talked last week just about the fact that faith is believing and, and looking at the difference between fear and, and really what the world would call risk, we call faith. It's stepping out in assurance that God is who he said he is that I believe he's going to do what he said he would do, and so that I can step out into the unknown, or like Peter, get out of the boat and onto the water and begin to walk, something nobody else has ever done. But Jesus, as he came to them in that boat, he's the only one, they see him walking on the water, they think he's a ghost. Why? Because that, you can't walk on water. But Peter said, hey, if that's for me, bid me come. And he said, yep, he got out of the boat, and he, he did something that, he, that nobody else had ever done. God's going to ask you to do things that nobody else has ever done. It might as well be walking on water. I mean, the things that God's going to bring into your life this year or ask you to step into are, are things you probably haven't done because it doesn't take a whole lot of faith to do the things that you already know you can do. It takes faith to do the things that you have never done, to, to say the things that you've never said, to, to give the way that God wants you to give like you never have before. It, in, in your world, just remember, it may seem like walking on water, but Peter walked on water. And as long as he focused on Jesus, he was fine. And today we're going to talk a little bit about, about strength. And this idea is if we're going to go forward, there, there's got to be strength in our, in our life. And, and Hebrews chapter 12 is the, the scripture. And we, we know this scripture. Many of you do know this scripture in verse 1 and 2. And it's this idea that says, you know, as you go along in life, it happens to us physically sometimes. Uh, you, you tend to pick up a little weight as you go. Uh, if you're not careful, if you're not paying attention, you don't do it on purpose. Uh, I, I, didn't, uh, I didn't do it on purpose when I went to college the first time, because I went a couple times. But the first time, I didn't, I didn't do it on purpose to pick up the extra weight. You know what I did? I, I ate a small pizza every night for like a whole semester. 
Krusty's Pizza. They were like $2.50. I could get a mushroom pepperoni. I even had a specific way that I ate it. Crusts first, the good stuff in the middle last. I, every day. I didn't know. I just was doing what I was doing. And then, uh, you know, you don't, you don't see an ounce here or an ounce there. But in the end, when you, when you finally realize, wow, I have, I have uh, put on a few pounds. I have put, how did that happen, right? That's what, <laughs> how in the world? I don't know. I've just been, I've been really good. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah. You've eaten a pizza every, every day. Um, they would bring them right to the dorm. It was amazing. You just go down and get this guy two fifty. He gives you a pizza. It was awesome. And every now and then somebody wouldn't be paying attention. You could take their pizza too. And you say, I'm going to take that to him. And you get two pizzas, but you know, you, you, you tend to pick up some weight as, as you go. And I don't want to say that it's a physical thing, you know, but mentally, spiritually, you begin to, to pick up some weight. And I wouldn't say that all the weights that you pick up and carry are, are, are bad. Uh, many times you're, you're doing something that, that God has asked you to do that's a little bit over and above or a little bit different or it is maybe some more time and it does take some more strength and it does take you stepping out. But there's grace for that. See, a weight becomes a, a, a hindrance when the grace begins to lift. And if God begins to bring something new into your life, bring something extra into your life, maybe you have to help your sister, or maybe you have to help your brother, or maybe you have to go help your kids, or maybe you have to go help your parents, and you weren't counting on doing those kind of things, and it seems like it's just weighing you down. But if you give it to God, you can do what he called you to do and do that extra bit because of his grace. But then when his grace begins to lift, it's time to let go. Now, don't let go of your brother or your sister or your mother, but, you know, I mean, it's time to let go of that weight, that thing, because the weight will eventually crush you. And it says in Hebrews chapter 12, therefore, since we are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, and that's, a, I was reading a Jesse Duplantis uh, article, and he began to talk about this particular the verse, and, and he began to share about the torch of faith. And how this great cloud of witnesses is encouraging us to go forward and to keep going. But they're trying to pass, somebody's passing the torch of faith to you. Will you take it? You know, when it says that these people are all surrounded and they're all uh, cheering us on. And it says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And then it goes on and says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. In the Amplified Bible, and I don't know if they have, I don't know if you have that, Sarah, the Amplified part, but it says, therefore, this is the women's Bible, right? Because there's a lot of words in here. Therefore, then, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses who have borne testimony of the truth, you overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. So not only are these people now in heaven cheering us on, They have a great testimony in their life. And you want to know their testimony, go back to chapter 11 and begin to read through that particular chapter. And you don't hear everything, but you do get the by faith, by faith, by faith. Well, why would they do that? So that when they're cheering you on, you realize that they're cheering you on from a place of victory. They're cheering you on from a place of having gone through it too. Have you ever tried to talk to somebody who who hasn't been through it? You know, and they just, they don't, but you talk to somebody that has been through it, and they understand. I try to talk to people about kids, and I, you know, it's okay, everything's great. Well, yeah, your kids are 24 and 20. I've got 17 kids all under four, and you don't understand me. And I'm like, yeah, I probably don't. Uh, So maybe you need to go talk to Corey, because, you know, he's got a whole Indian tribe at his house. But it says that. You know, there's people who, and these people have, these by faith people, see, it says that, that they have, they actually have a testimony because of what they've done, a testimony of the truth. 
And it says, let us strip off and throw aside every encumbrance. See, weight's great. We understand weight, but an encumbrance. I mean, that's something that's coming against you, that's, that's stopping you. Unnecessary weight. The encumbrance and unnecessary weight and the sin which so easily and readily and deftly and cleverly clings to us. Let us run with patient endurance and steady and active, it says, persistence. The appointed course of the race that is set before us. Your faith has to have a destination. There has to be destination. Faith just isn't out there. Faith is for. Faith is to. See, it's about, it's about believing that God, there's got to be a destination or else you're just, you're, you're stagnant. That God is taking you somewhere, someplace. And this particular passage, you know, I mean, it says, run your race with endurance. Well, how many of you run a race just willy-nilly and just get out in the street and just start taking off? They'll put you in a home for that. I mean, you can't, you can't just go out and just, you know, suit up in your outfit and just start running around. And, and every time you turn a corner, just go, like you're breaking the, there's, you're not in a race there. You're, you're looking crazy running through the streets. A race has a beginning and a race has an end. You know, Paul talks about it too, you know, that he's going to run this race and he's going to run in such a way that he shall receive the prize. Well, you're not going to run over to Von Tobel's over there and just bust through the doors and say, I win. Where's my grill? I was running for a grill today. (sighs) That's my prize. And they're like, man, you are nuts. Call the cops. This guy's got to go. Why? Well, you're not running the right race. You know, and, and I'm not much of a runner, and I, I don't, you know, I, I don't, I used to, I used to run. But I, when I would start running in these mini marathons, I mean, you start, they, they blow the gun or whatever, the horn, you take off running. There is an end to this thing. For most of the race, that's the thing that's keeping you going, is the idea that says this will end. <laughs> the pain will stop. I will eventually get to lay down, and someone will hose me off sometime and you know the first time i ran the race i didn't really necessarily know where i was going but i did know that there was an end and i could picture that end because the end is like where you start and so as you run you look over there and you realize that 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 place right there there's that's where we're going to end we're going to be there sometime but i had to keep running the course I had to run with endurance. You can't stop. You can't give up. You have to keep going. You have to push through. I didn't run those races with a flak jacket and a parachute attached to me. I ran almost nude because I I didn't want any extra ounce of anything on me. I had a pair of shorts, and I had the smallest shirt I could find, and that's what I ran in because I was not about to carry any extra weight. It was all I could do to carry my own weight. There, there wasn't, and, and if you could, now that was just the way that it was. Elizabeth ran one with me. I just said, yeah, I can't carry you. You're just going to do your own thing, and I just, I went about my business. It took that kind of focus, right? We talked about focus a couple, a couple, you know, last week about going to India, and the, the focus that it took to do that, it's the same kind of thing. I wasn't carrying a bunch of extra stuff. Some of you have been carrying some weight, not physically, but you've been carrying some weight, maybe mentally. You know, maybe, maybe physically in the fact that you're doing more than maybe you should be doing. You're not resting. You're not walking in his rest and those kind of things. Some of you have been carrying some weight. That will eat at you. That will, that will begin to, to, to start taking you down. The weight, if you look at the definition, it says it's a heavy object used to hold something down. It's mental or emotional burden. 
It's an overpowering force. Weights are just picked up over time. Maybe you've done that and all of a sudden you realize, like, how did I get here? All this, what was I doing? And, you know, maybe nobody even noticed. Maybe nobody told you. Maybe somebody did tell you. I know that God would be telling. I mean, he tells us. If if we're carrying the wrong thing, he lets us know. Many times we just say, I understand that, but I don't want to put it down right now, so I'll just try to carry it with me. You'll never run as far or as swift or as well carrying the weight that you're not supposed to carry. It says in Matthew, right, that we're supposed to exchange that weight. We're supposed to give him that thing. And we're supposed to take his yoke and his burden on our life because it's easy and it's light. There's still a yoke and there's still a burden, right? I mean, there's still something there. But it's, it's his grace that allows us to carry that thing. And as we run this race, you know, with endurance, it, it's, it, endurance is just the ability to continue. <laughs> the ability to continue, that's endurance. To bear up under difficult circumstances, not under cookies and cake and parties. And this is endurance is running this race with with circumstances, with situations, with pressures and stress of the world, with fear coming against you, with all of these things happening. Endurance says, I press on, I sail on through the rough seas and the storm and everything else to continue to bear up under difficult circumstances and having the fortitude to actively resist weariness and defeat. Actively resist it. We're going to talk next week about resistance and resisting the enemy and those kind of things by faith. But there's, a, there's an active resistance that takes place. It's not a passive thing. It's not a, I'll hide in my corner and eventually this will all be over and I can walk to the finish line. No. There is a push through. There were lots of times over 13.1 miles that I wanted to stop. But I didn't. I found that if I kept going, I got there. If I stopped, I'm a smart guy, I'm not going to get there. (laughs) So I just kept going. Now, your flesh doesn't like that. My body screamed forever. But I just told my body to shut up and just keep moving your feet. Halfway through this race, a little more than halfway, you go to the track, you know, the Indianapolis 500 track, and you get to make a lap around that thing. Not nearly as fast as those cars. That's two and a half miles. It takes a while. Some people finish before you do. Some, you're not running their race. You're running your race. You're running, Paul said you're running against, against you. You're not running against anybody else. Don't compare your race to somebody else's race. When you run this race, with, you've got to realize that it's going to take endurance, it's going to take strength, it's going to take faith for you to run the race that God has for you, but it's your race. So don't jump into somebody else's thing. Halfway through that track, you come around the front stretch where the bricks are, and there's a big, there's a big sign right there, and a, a big screen, and you watch the Kenyans, and you watch all those people who are really good runners finish the race. And you got five miles to go. Six miles to go as you come. Plus, when you leave the track, it's the most brutal thing ever. You're like seven and a half, eight miles into this thing. And if you've been to the track to get to the infield, you have to go down this big hill underneath the track. So you have to now, you have to leave the track. You can't sit there. You have to keep going. So you have to go down this hill and then back up a hill. All, all the while having done, you know, some of you said, now I, I'm telling you, I have run this race as long as I'm going to run it. Well, then you're never going to receive the prize because you have to finish it. And it's not about dying, although there is an end to that thing. This is about accomplishing what God called you to accomplish. Doing what God called you to do. 
that there is there is an end to your race. There is a place. But you've, I, there were many times in this race as I ran, I had to continually refocus. I mean, there, there were there were moments and times where my everything in me was screaming stop. But I had to like shake my head and say, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm going to keep going. There's an end. There's a finish. There's a and every time you make a turn, you know, you're like, I am so tired of this stupid track. God, get me off. And so what do you see? A gigantic hill. <laughs> Thanks, God. All right, so we can make it through that. Then you come up out of there, and then you've got to go right. And then you have to go left down this other street. And every time you're just about ready to give up, there's something new. There's a turn. There's, there's not somebody else cheering you on. There are people who stand on the street, just like these witnesses who, who they're talking about in Hebrews in chapter 12, who they're cheering you on. And there's something about something, somebody cheering you on. I mean, I, I, you've heard me tell this story, many of you, before, but I, you're dying. There are a lot of people who write their names on their shirt so that somebody on the side of the road can say, go, Miriam, come on, you can do it, because they want somebody to say their name and tell them they can make it. They don't say, looks like you're dying, you need to fall down, quit. They don't say that. They might have. That's not what I heard. But they, they might, you know, that, that might, they don't say that. They're encouraging you. Keep going, don't stop, you can make it. In the beginning, it's like this, only nine more miles. And you have to keep all your fingers together and not start showing everybody what you really think about their nine more miles. You just keep going. But they're, t- they're encouraging you. And then all of, man, something wells up on the inside of you and you keep going. You see something and it gives you strength. You, you, know, you know, when you make that last turn and you see the finish line and something rears up on the inside. Where's that come from? It was there all the time. There, there, there's a force on the inside of you spiritually that's there all the time. You just have to have the right destination and you have to have the right focus. See, it says focus on Jesus, the author and the finisher of your race. See, I think many of us actually, if we would let go of the weights, we could do so much for God because we've been carrying the sin so long. We're really strong. You have been pretending for a long time. Now just stop pretending. That makes sense. Sometimes we, we just pretend we have faith, but we're really behind the scenes. We're like the duck paddling under the water, but we're trying to remain calm. Listen, you're, you're doing seven times more than you probably should. And God hasn't asked you to. So when God asks you to do two or three, three things more than what you think you can do, you could probably do that because you've been doing seven or eight things that you're not supposed to be doing. It's actually going to be less work than more work. When I, when I came and God said, it's time to come to the church full time, I, I, I was, people say, boy, you know, the ministry, you work a lot. I, no, man, this was going from three jobs to one. I was glad to be here. I can carry this. That's no problem. God, your grace is sufficient. I, I worked at school, then I coached, and then I came here all the time. So I was doing three jobs. I was working all the time. So coming here was like, woo, what do I do with all this extra time? God, your load really is light. <laughs> it really is easy. Now, the other load wasn't hard either because there was grace for that. But toward the end, see, that grace begins to kind of wane, begins to kind of lift, and, and then you begin to feel that thing, that stress, that, that, that weight that's on top of you. Your strength comes from God, not from you. Now, there is physical strength in your body, eating right, exercising, all those things. But listen, I'm, I'm talking about a strength and a fortitude to walk in faith. Not just a strength that says, I can carry more than you can because I'm stronger. You know, not that thing that says, I can lift this much weight. It's this thing that says, I can continue. Like it said, endurance, fortitude, those kind of things. Actively resisting the enemy and his force against you. You're able to go through those places because of his strength. 
because he lives on the inside of you, not because of you. It says, you know, in Philippians 419, that that I can do all things, what, through Christ who strengthens me, strengthens me. And that's an exchange that's made because we're none of us. I don't care how big and buff you are, how strong you are. None of us can do it in our own strength. It takes his. And you can't conjure up his strength. There has to be an exchange of yours for his. And you do that by faith. You take what you have and you exchange it with what he has. You know, it says that that really his grace is sufficient for me in my weakness. It says that I can come, Hebrews chapter 4 says, I can come to him, to the the throne of grace, in my time of need, when I'm weak, and he will give me what I need. He will pour out what I need in my life. His strength, he'll exchange those things. Let go of and grab hold of, right? It's the old thing that says, I, I can't, my hands are full of all my junk, and I can't take your stuff because my hands are full of my junk. Let go of your junk. And grab hold of his. There's an exchange that's made. And you win in the exchange. I think a lot of times we don't think that's true. I think a lot of times we look at what we. The weight. That we're carrying. And say I don't want to let go of this thing. man. I don't. What am I going to get in return? Something better. I've never had God ask me to lay something down. That he didn't put something else in my hand that was better. You know, it's like you take an old pen that doesn't mean a whole lot. Now, it's our victory pen. costs about 19 cents. Uh, it's a fine pen. And uh, it works really well. And it's green. And uh, we like it. But then you can come and you, exchange, you make an exchange. Because Pastor Bill always has really nice pens. And uh, they're usually very expensive. And so, you know, when, when we're dealing with you get to be God in this case. So it's going to work out all right. But, you know, you get to come to him. You come, you come to the Lord. And you take your cheap pen, your life, your, your weakness, your junk, your sin and all those things and you can exchange it and you end up with the good pen you end up with all the strength you end up with the wisdom see you took you went to him with questions and you gave him your questions and he gave you his answers you went to him with your weakness and by faith he gave you strength and this is something that happens and it has to go on in your life many times throughout the day that there are there are there are moments and when i was when i would get up in the morning when god began to show me that this is an exchange that you can make and i didn't i didn't understand this just this simple exchange i, I didn't i didn't get it well I, I had to understand faith and i had to realize that man god has my best interest at heart and the things that he has for me i can receive them but i have to do it by faith and i have to let go of mine and grab hold of his and believe it believe that you have that thing that you have asked for, right? In Mark, in chapter 11, it says, when you come to God, you begin to pour out your heart, do so believing, not doubting, and you will have those things that you have asked for. Now, we think of things, here you go, sir, you can have that back. I know that other one's really good, but it's good. It's good. Um, we, when we think of that verse in, in Mark chapter 11, when we think about we have the things that we ask for, we're thinking about, I ask for a new car. Or I asked for a car. Or I asked for, Lord, a job. Or I asked for some clothes. Or I asked for... See, the things that we think we need to receive, they're usually like real things that we can put our hands on and touch. We don't realize that that same same principle works for things like strength and wisdom and joy and peace and all of that stuff. There was something that happened to me in the mornings when I would wake up. I don't like mornings. 
I much rather like, I like nights. Mornings aren't, that Meg, I want to be like Megan. Megan is up at like the crack of four. And she is, she's at church at, I don't know, five o'clock in the morning or something. I get emails and things from her at odd hours. But then she gets emails from me at two o'clock in the morning. So there, there's a, there is a, somehow we've got to work this out. Because uh, my head's thinking when she's asleep and her head's thinking when I'm asleep. So I'm, I'm not necessarily, you know, that morning person. So when I would wake up in the morning, there literally had to be an exchange that was made. Or I would get back in bed because I didn't feel strong. I didn't feel like I had energy. I didn't feel like I could make it five minutes, not through the day. I don't care if you put coffee aroma all over my, that didn't get me up. Bacon aroma wouldn't get me up. Not, I mean, I just, I had to get up and I had to get in the shower and I had, I mean, I did this for a long time daily. God, today I cannot go on without your strength. I need you to take all of this. And I need your strength today. Many times with both hands on the shower, leaning against the wall. Can't go on, man. I need you. Now, I didn't live a bad life. It was just that this morning. (laughs) I need to get through 10 o'clock. Hey, after 10, I'm good. But, you know, up until then. But it, it it was, there was literally, and I had to learn. I had to learn. I grew and matured in faith to the point where when I would do that, I, I, would, I would be stronger. There would be vitality on the inside. There would be energy. There would be those things that would rise up. Now, it wasn't the fact that I, took, I drank coffee or adrenaline or any of those things. The spirit, I woke up the spirit of God that was on the inside of me, and I made an exchange with him, and I gave him my weakness, and he in turn poured out his grace in my life, and it melt with that weakness, and it became strength. And it rose up on the, you have to get rid of your bad stuff to take his good stuff. His yoke is easy, his burden is light. You don't, you don't, you won't want the stuff that's, that's holding you back, that's keeping you there. You and I both have to, we have to remain, I mean, there is strength, but you have to remain strong. That was a, that was a daily thing. It wasn't like a one-time thing where I said, okay, God, I got it, thanks, and it lasts forever. I mean, there was a, there was a daily deal, and sometimes in the middle of the day, Saying, God, I need your wisdom. God, I need your strength. This is what I'm dealing with. This is what I'm going through. And really, literally giving him that thing and then receiving by faith what you have asked for without doubting. Nothing happened. Nobody came in and put a a shot of adrenaline in my body. It was God moving in my life by faith. And you couldn't talk me out of it. I mean, I, re- I remember those days vividly that, that I would get in there and I would, say, I would say that, God, I just need you today to trade. I need your strength, and I'm going to give you my weakness this morning. I can't go on this morning with, without it. I need it. And there would be something that took place by the Spirit of God, but I had to receive it by faith. You can go home and do it all day long, but don't expect all of a sudden like your muscles to grow in the shower. You're not the Incredible Hulk. I mean, that's not going to, you know, that's not going to happen. But spiritually, on the inside of you, he began to do something. And it allows you to remain strong. See, it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 57 and 58, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory. He gives us all of the victory through Jesus Christ. And then it goes on, though, and it says, therefore, we need to be. See, I mean, he tells us, thanks be to God who gives us the victory. Rejoice, you have the victory. The joy of the Lord is your strength, Nehemiah 8.10. So now that we have this, there's been an exchange that's made. But when this exchange is made, then you, 
us, the human beings involved in this, because I believe God is steadfast. I believe God is immovable. I believe he is solid and on a firm foundation. He is the rock on which we build our life. So I believe that. So we need to be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that our labor is not in vain. Not I have to go to church. I get to go to church today. I have to usher again. I get to usher again. I got to work in the nursery. I get to work in the nursery. I get to go serve those babies who come in there and pour the love of God into their life. That's abounding in the work of the Lord. Knowing that your labor is not in vain. Sometimes I think we got to really just put on the helmet, the chin strap, and just go out and start. You're not going to win a race. You're not running. Just, I mean, that might be news to you. If, if you, you're not going to win the race, that you're not running. There, there were people who, you know, like you, you spend money to go run in this race. And my mailman was a runner, and so he and I had struck up these conversations. And I told him that my wife wanted to run, but it was too late, and it was all sold out, and there was no way for her to do it. And he said, "Oh, I got plenty of friends who don't do it." I said, "Huh?" I said, "Yeah, they get their thing every year, and they just something comes up, they don't do it, they don't go run it. I'll just get you one of theirs. It's all right." Sure enough, man, a handful of weeks later, he showed up and said, here's one for your wife. The entry thing, the number for the chest, you know, all that stuff. Well, that person who it was, it looks like on paper they ran the race because it's a tied to that thing. But they didn't. You can't, you can't win a race that, that you don't run. You can't waver. It says that Abraham in, in Romans chapter 4, it said he didn't waver at the promises of God. That I, I, didn't, I didn't go, okay, God, is there strength or is there not strength? Did that work? I didn't say, okay, I'm going to test this somehow. I, I, didn't, I, I, I had strength. I had confidence. See, it says that Abraham, as he was getting older in Romans chapter 4, that he had confidence and that he didn't waver. He knew God was God, that he was going to give him what he promised. It says Abraham didn't focus on his own impotence and say it's hopeless. This 100-year-old body could never father a child. Nor did he survey Sarah's decades of infertility and give up. He didn't look around at the other things that were going on, like we talked about. He, he didn't look around at all the other factors, you know, on Sunday. He looks at me and God, and God said, so he will. It says he didn't tiptoe around God's promise, asking cautiously skeptical questions. He plunged into the promise and came up strong and ready for God. Strong and ready for God, sure that God would make good on what he had said. We've seen strength happen. In somebody else's life. We've seen God do something in somebody else's life. Well, I'm telling you, it's the same God that will do it in your life that did it in their life. God's no respecter of persons, but he does follow his rules. He does follow the word and he does follow what he asks. And he always he always works by the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. And so if you've, you've shut that off, if you've turned that off, then it, I know God's no respecter of persons, but you have to realize that you, ha- you have to be following the, the, the rules. You have to be going a- along the line. You have to be running the right race. Don't let go of, of, of that confidence. Don't, the world, the enemy will come and try to shake you and shake that confidence. Why? Because there's power in the confidence. When you have confidence in God, there's great power there. But if the enemy can come and begin to shake that confidence in your life, don't allow him to shake it. It says in Hebrews chapter 10 that we have need of that confidence. It actually says, therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward for you have need of endurance so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Now, it says, don't give away your confidence because you need endurance. Endurance comes from confidence. 
See, there's a confidence in God that you know he's going to show up, he's going to take you through, he's going to allow you and help you finish this race, and so you endure. If you don't have confidence, you're shaken and you can't endure because then when the resistance comes against you, you're not sure if you can or can't. Before I ran my first race, I told my buddy who was running with me, we got to do this once. And he said, what do you mean? I said, well, we, I, I got to know. I'm not going down there if I can't do it. We got to know we can do this. So we got in the car and we drove out, thir- we drove out and made 13.1 miles. Now, what we do, we're smart. We go halfway out, so then we have to come home. Uh, you know, there's not a, like a loop. And so we, would, we drove seven miles and a little bit more out. And we marked that spot. We threw out some waters along the way. And we said, okay, we got to know that we can do this. And so we set off. Because I wasn't sure. I, I didn't know. I'd never done that before. See, walking on water. I, I didn't know. This was, I mean, it was physical. It, it wasn't necessarily, although you do do a lot of praying when you run that far. Uh, <laughs> you do a lot of praying. But, uh, you know, I mean, at that point, it was, just, it was a physical thing of, can I really do this? And if I had confidence that I could, once you do it once, then you know you can do it again. And so it, we, we did it. We ran out, and we came home. And uh, when I finished, I was like, okay, whew, almost killed me. But it didn't. I can do this. And you know what? Since that point, that was before the first race, I ran three. From that point on, I trained less. <laughs> Not smart, but it, I did. I trained less because I knew I could do it. And what happened was when I had confidence in myself, I didn't work as hard. I sloughed off. When I didn't want to run or feel like it, I didn't. Now, when you have confidence in God... You don't. But when the confidence begins to be in you, see, once I did it once, then I knew I could do it. I should have gone for a, a, a marathon because that would have that kept me pushing forward. See, with God, we do it once. We walk on water, and then we're like, that's easy. There's not really any need. Now, it got harder and harder and harder to run that thing, and my times got longer and longer and longer the less I did. Because I was doing it in my own strength and I wasn't working at it. Have confidence in God and then continue to push forward. Don't rest. Don't stop. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't do those things. Continue to push forward. Don't have confidence in you. Have confidence in God. The only confidence you can have really in you is your confidence that you hear God's voice and that you will follow it. The confidence that says, I know that was God. I'm going to go that direction. Because there are going to be all kinds of things that come, left and right and all of that stuff. You're going to see stuff. But the stuff that you see with your eyeballs in your head, those are temporary things. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Right? The things that you see with your natural eyes are temporary. The things that you see by the eyes of faith, those things are eternal. Pay attention to those because temporary things are subject to change. In the Message Bible, I think it's the Message Bible, it says, so we're not giving up. How could we? Even though on the outside it often looks like things are falling apart on us, on the inside where God is making that new life, not a day goes by without his unfolding grace. These hard times are small potatoes compared to the coming good times. I haven't gotten anything in my life, really, and probably you either, that was worth a whole lot that I didn't have to bust my butt for, that I didn't have to work for, that I didn't have to sweat over, that I didn't have to toil over. I mean, I did. I finished that race, and my time was fantastic that first year. But I am telling you, 
it, it almost, I, I, I worked and I tried to do something faster and better and farther every single time I went out. When I lost all the weight that I lost years ago, 50-some pounds, it was the same way. I was motivated. I knew there was a goal. I knew there was a destination. I didn't know how to get there, but I, I, every day I, I tried to do more and tried to do the next thing and stretch myself. And if it hurt, if it didn't hurt, I wasn't doing it right. If I, if I, if I was aching in the morning, I, I'd worked out a little, I'd run farther, I'd lifted more. Every time I lifted weights, I added a pound or I added two pounds every week. And I kept track of it and I kept going. That's faith. See, as you go spiritually, it's about this thing that says, man, come on, God, we're going down this path. I'm writing down the stuff that you tell me. I'm writing the vision. Why? So I can have a destination and I can have a focus and I can have a vision and I can see the eternal. And now by faith, you're going to allow me to do it. I don't know how to do it. I don't know what, what, where it's going to take me. I'm not real sure what's going to happen, but I'm going to keep going and I'm going to keep fighting and I'm going to keep pushing. And then again, same kind of thing. Maintenance mode set in a few years later and I stopped, I stopped doing that. It wasn't that I don't know what to do. It's really not that I don't kind of do it. I just don't do it with the intensity of heart that I had. And there are a lot of believers who are in that same kind of path. Your faith begins to, you don't mean for it to wane, but you become maintenance mode. There's not a maintenance. I don't see anything in here that says, just, just sit tight. I'll be right back. Jesus didn't say that. He didn't say, just, just, you got all yours, so hang out. I'll be right back to get you. That's where believers get cranky and critical and all those things. It's in this thing that says, I go forward and I push on through that there's the active resistance in our life fighting the enemy but you have to do it by faith it's not a punch here it's not a punch there you do have a sword you do have a shield you do have armor but but you even put those things on by faith but do you not believe right now today that you are you're clothed in the armor of god that the helmet of salvation is i mean i do you see that when you look in the mirror do you see the man or the woman of god that he created you to be? Or do you see all the junk and the cares and the weights and the stuff that you carry? I'm telling you, there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a mentality part to this. There's a vision part. There's a destination part. There's something about that that keeps you moving and keeps you going and can get you through this thing that you're going through. It's God's power. It's his anointing. It's the, it's the Holy Spirit. It's his grace. It's his, his mercy that is new every morning, that you made a mistake yesterday. But, hey, slough that off. Get rid of that thing. Man, I'm telling you, God will forgive you. He's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins if you come and you repent before him. So that, I mean, you look in the mirror, you don't see that thing anymore. But it nags at you. The enemy continues to, you know, tell you all, hey, 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 that's the enemy. That's not true. By faith, you have, you have been forgiven. So now by faith, receive forgiveness. Get rid of your sin. Give it to him and receive forgiveness. By faith. That's the only, that's the only way that we're going to make it. That's the only way that you're going to get there. That's the only way that you're going to attain your destiny. To attain the destiny that God has for you in your life, you have to step out in faith. You can't do it on your own. If you can attain what you feel is your destiny, then that's not probably God. If the road that you're going on and following is kind of slow and kind of straight, there aren't really any hills in it, it's kind of boring and monotonous, ask God if there's not a new route for you because you might be on the wrong road because I haven't been on that road. 
Most of the roads that I've been on spiritually have been a little bit left here, a little bit right here. Hey, slow down here. Hey, speed up. Get going, get going, get going. Faster, faster, faster. There's a big hill coming. You need some momentum. Get up the hill. Pothole there. Get out of the way. Move to the right. Move to the left. If it's just this slow, straight road, I'd I'd get down on my knees and say, God, is it... Am I on the right road? I'm not saying you have to have a, a, a horrible existence. This is, this, living by faith is a thrill. Because you get to see God be God every day. There's something about seeing God be God every day. Think about those times in your life. You can stand up. We'll pray. Think about that time in your life. You can just close your eyes right where you are. And I just, we'll do this and then we'll, we'll pray. But. Was there a time in your life where God asked you to do something? He asked you to believe something. There was something that was beyond you. Like what we're talking about with Peter getting out of the boat. There, there, was, there was something. Whether it was sharing your faith and sharing the gospel with somebody or, or praying for somebody at the grocery or, or giving more than you could really what you thought afford to give. But, but you, were, you were in your heart. You knew it was God and so you did it. And you saw God come through. Do you remember that? I mean, like, boom, I, do you know that? Do you have that testimony? Do you have that story? Do you have that thought where you said, I knew God, he came through. He came through for me. Now, what we do, live by faith every day and see God come through for you every day. There's a destination for each one of us. And every day, you're going to have to wake up and ask God, to show you the steps to take to reach that destination. And you have to do it by faith. I don't don't know of of another way. Well, I'll do what you did, Pastor John. It's not your race. Principles are right. Principles are true. The Word of God is full of principles and full of truth. And those things are, they go across the spectrum of people. But destiny is individual destination is individual see dropping the weights is individual those are individual things that God wants to do in your life to show you to encourage you and to allow you to run faster and quicker and farther and better than you have we hope this message encouraged you Victor Christian Center is passionate about sharing the love acceptance and forgiveness of Jesus learn more about us at victorylafayette.org if you don't know Jesus or maybe you've gotten distracted and stopped following him I'd like to pray for you right now. The most important decision you'll ever make involves accepting the love of Jesus and His gift of new life. I'd invite you to make this prayer your own and take this opportunity to begin to follow Jesus. God, I ask you to reveal yourself to me. I want to know you. I ask you to forgive the sin in my life that has kept me from enjoying a relationship with you. Give me a fresh start by changing my life and helping me to follow you from this point forward. I accept your love through Jesus and I commit to trust your plan for my life. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. If you've prayed this prayer for the first time, please get in touch with us and let us know. To learn more about Victory or to contact us, visit us online at victorylafayette.org.